Hello, welcome back. This is SGR number 74. This is your host, Joe Blair. And today we're breaking down the Green Bay Packers. We're actually going to start our AFC, excuse me, NFC North series. Um, now, I mentioned at the end of our Giants uh, preview for those who got all the way through that one that I was thinking about jumping over to the AFC West. Um, my original plan for this was to go East, North, West, South, AFC, NFC alternating. And again, <clears throat> I'm just I'm delaying the AFC North for as long as I possibly can because of the Deshaun Watson um, news or lack thereof. And I also mentioned Joe Burrow appendicitis going to be out of action for a few weeks. You know, I'm going to I'm going to, like I said, delay that episode as long as I can. We're just going to skip it right now and we're going to stick to the format I originally had planned um, and probably circle back to AFC North last. But we're going to jump into the NFC North today, starting off with defending champion Green Bay Packers. And this is a pretty interesting team this offseason. Obviously, the main storyline being, um, you know, the last three years coming up short, going 13 and 3, 13 and 4, um, each of the last three seasons. I think they're the first team in NFL history to win 13 games in three straight years, which is pretty impressive. But failing to come up uh, in the playoffs and failing to get to that Super Bowl appearance, Aaron Rodgers with only one ring, although he is an undisputed Hall of Famer. Uh, not that it's going to help, uh, this off season, he lost his best offensive weapon with, um, Deandre, excuse me, Devante Adams being shipped over to the Las Vegas Raiders. So we're going to talk about that trade, uh, the impact as far as, uh, real life football as well as, well as fantasy football. And we're going to, you know, try and cover this team like we do with all 32 here. So I mentioned they went 13 and four last year. They were the number one seed in the NFC and get, then got bounced in their first playoff game, a snowy, cold defensive struggle against the 49ers. This team was also a covering machine going 12 and five against the spread last year, 70.6% cover rate, second best in the NFL. It was a fun team to bet on. They were constantly being disrespected. This was really my my baby last year. I was actually I was basically calling myself a Packers fan last summer because I was so uh, down on the Eagles after you know what I considered to be a rebuilding off season and a quarterback and coaching transition, and I had snagged the Packers um, during the entire Aaron Rodgers will he stay will he go saga. I went and snagged them. At 17 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, I got them over 10 wins. Um, just really threw everything that I could on them. I had them at 19 to 1 to get the most regular season wins, and I ended up pushing that bet because they folded it in week 18 against the Lions. That was frustrating. Um, they tied for most regular season wins with, I believe, the Buccaneers. But, anyways, um, this was a team that was very good last year, and again, it's we're going to see what they look like without Devontae Adams. They were uh, 10th in points per game last year, excuse me, tied for 9th actually at 26.5. They were 10th in yards per game at 365.6. Uh, defense was 14th in points per game, 21.8, uh, specifically really um, playing a lot better over the second half of the season. It looked like that defense was ready to carry them through a playoff push, and they did not allow an offensive touchdown in that playoff game to San Francisco. Um, only touchdown in that game being 
the uh, special teams blocked punt, I believe, for San Francisco. Um, anyways, defense was playing very well at the end of the season. 21.8 points per game allowed, ninth in yards per game, 328.2, generating a lot of turnovers. They were third in turnover margin, as you would expect with a quarterback that virtually never turns the ball over. Uh, plus 13 turnover margin on the season. That's just, that's a great number. So I believe in my Dolphins episode, if I'm remembering correctly, we mentioned that Mike LaFleur, um, who I believe was on this staff in Green Bay. If I'm No, I got that wrong. Sorry, guys. It was Nathaniel uh, Hackett, um, the head coach of the Denver Broncos. He's the former offensive coordinator. He's no longer here. Sorry for that, guys. Misremembering. The new offensive coordinator for this staff is Adam Stenovich. Um, he was an NFL uh, offensive tackle from 2006 to 2010, mostly a camp body, not making many final rosters. Um, coached in coached college football uh, from 2011 to 2016. He was the San Francisco 49ers O-line coach from 2017 to 2018. Green Bay O-line coach uh, for the last two seasons. And last year, he was also their run game coordinator. So now he takes over full-time offensive coordinator duties under an offensive-minded head coach um, in uh, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. I keep interchanging Mike and Matt. They're going to have to... Why do parents do that? Like, name one John and name one Steven so it's easy on all of us. Don't get it. Do better, parents. Let's jump into the personnel. Key losses. Let's talk about it. Devontae Adams unexpectedly traded over to Las Vegas. I didn't see this coming, especially it came very shortly after the Aaron Rodgers drama had subsided and we finally got a conclusion to what was going to happen with A-Rod. He signed a four-year extension to stay in Green Bay, and you'd think that's going to, you know, Devontae Adams was going to stay as well. But the difference was that Devontae Adams, um, the, the Packers had offered him the franchise tag, and, and Adams didn't want to play on the franchise tag. Then I guess they did go ahead and offer him I guess more money than the Raiders did at the end of it. They offered him a deal, an extension. I don't have the final numbers, but he decided that he was just over it. You know, although Rodgers had signed a four-year extension, it's no guarantee he plays that full contract. Adams is at a point in his career where, you know, he really wants to continue to build on his Hall of Fame legacy, and he wants to make sure he's set up for more than maybe just the last two years of Rodgers' career. <clears throat> He played with Derek Carr in college. He's friends with him, and he wanted to go play with him again. It's an interesting decision. I think, you know, this Green Bay team with the level of success and, and continuity and um, consistency that they've had, it's interesting that he decided to just kind of bail and, and start new with another team. Um, but really, we're talking about the Packers here, and, you know, it's going to influence what this season looks like. It's really all anybody's talking about. So Adams was traded to the Raiders, and the Packers got back two picks in this past draft, a 2022 first, uh, pick 22, excuse me, pick 22 overall. There's a lot of 22s here. And they also got a 2022 second. So a little bit of a tongue twister, but they got a first and a second in this last draft. Um, we'll talk about where they use those picks later in the draft breakdown. Let's get into the activity and free agency as far as departures this offseason. A couple of pretty relevant names here, outside linebackers, Adarius Smith, 
got paid by divisional rival Minnesota. We'll talk about them in tomorrow's episode. I'm actually pretty excited to talk Vikings this year. As a little tease for you guys, that should be a good episode. Uh, next, wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling signed a, I believe, three-year, $30 million deal with the Chiefs, which is not insignificant money. Um, he was kind of the deep threat on this roster outside of Devontae Adams, who can do pretty much everything. So Rodgers losing some speed, losing some playmaking ability in that receiving core. Offensive guard Lucas Patrick, linebacker Oren Burks, offensive guard Billy Turner, cornerback Chandon Sullivan, offensive tackle Dennis Kelly, wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown, Amon Ra, the sun god St. Brown's older brother, and punter Cody Bohorquez, no longer on this roster. So long, Boho. I think he got picked up somewhere else. I think he's starting. I don't have it in front of me. We'll probably talk about him later because you guys are thirsty for that punter coverage. Um, really not overactive in, uh, in free agency here. They really did most of their rebuilding or, or retooling this offseason through the draft. And uh, so the couple names, Sammy Watkins was signed as, I don't know, Kind of a mediocre acquisition, you know, like Sammy hasn't really done much, especially from a consistency basis since his time in uh, L.A., really. I mean, he had like a stretch where he was relevant for the Rams. He had massive flashes in Buffalo. I mean, going into his, I think it was his second or third year in Buffalo, like it, it was looking like Sammy was getting ready to break out. And then they just went and traded him to the Rams bounced around Chiefs Ravens last year I actually forgot he was on the Ravens roster when I went to do my research for the Packers legitimately forgot they also signed defensive tackle Jaron Reed and punter Pat O'Donnell they did some uh some significant um contract extension work they re-signed cornerback Razul Douglas who was a former third-round pick out of West Virginia by the Philadelphia Eagles. In my opinion, Eagles gave up on him a little too soon. I liked Razul. I was at WVU when he was playing. He was one of our better defensive players. He's a ball hawk. He likes to come up with picks. And he wasn't really doing that in Philly. Um, he was doing that last year for Green Bay. They picked him up, I think, off the, the wire. I think he was a free agent. And they just kind of snagged him because they had some injuries in the secondary. And he played very well for this Packers team last year. It's going to be interesting to see if he can keep up that level of turnover production. Because I think as far as I don't have his uh, interception numbers in front of me. And I'll see if I can Google that and talk at the same time. But I talked on the Cowboys episode, episode about the regression of Trevon Diggs' interceptions. And I am just not, you know, that's a thing with corners where it's hard to duplicate year in and year out. So I, I have trouble thinking that a guy who for the majority of his career has, you know, first four years of his career, not really an impact player, has five career interceptions in his first four years and then comes out with five interceptions and two touchdowns in like half a season in Green Bay. You just can't you can't count on those numbers to duplicate season in and season out. Like I said, two picks his rookie year, three his second year in Philly. Uh, didn't do shit in 2019. Panthers didn't do shit in 2020. And then Packers, he comes up with five picks. It's just not sustainable. So we'll see. He's the third quarter on the roster. They still have a really good secondary there. 
Jair Alexander is still there. He's another guy that they signed to a massive contract extension this offseason. Legitimate top five cover corner in the NFL. You know, my barometer for kind of like how talented I think a guy is, essentially, because I really nerd out on draft coverage. You guys know I'm a huge Eagles fan. Kind of my metric or my measuring stick is, did I want the Eagles to draft this guy the year that he came out? And while it's not always the case because team needs vary from offseason to offseason, but the year that Alexander came out in the 2018 draft, we had just won the Super Bowl, but we had gotten torched by Brady for like 400 yards in the Super Bowl. We clearly needed to upgrade the corner position. So it was a positional group that I really dove into Um, big time that year and Jair Alexander was a guy that I was praying would slip to the Eagles at the 32nd overall pick he did not Green Bay snagged him up and uh, he's a legitimate legitimate corner fantastic player they've got him locked down on I I believe the next four years at least Um, they also extended Robert Tunyon uh, tight end coming off an ACL rehab situation right now and then obviously Rodgers I mentioned four years 200 mil I don't think he's uh, fully financially committed to all four of those years. I don't have the guaranteed uh, and voidable years in front of me, but Rodgers, at least two more years for sure. Guy's 39, and while Tom Brady can't be the bar for every NFL quarterback career, like nobody else is going to play until they're 45, but we see guys that can play at a high... Like, I hear people talking about this could be the year that Rodgers falls off. What did you see last year that indicated that at all? Like, the guy still has incredible... He's still the probably the t- most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Maybe his arm is not as strong as maybe a Josh Allen or a Pat Mahomes, but, like, that's, a t- that's the top 1% of the world, and Rodgers is still right there. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Brady's still elite at 44 why can't Rodgers still be elite at 39? It just doesn't make sense. So, where are we? Those are the contract extensions. Let's get into the draft. Interesting team. You know, I would say 90% of mock drafts had this team going, you know, wide receiver at least once in the first round. They had two first round picks, uh, 22 and 28. I don't believe they did any trading around there. They did trade up in the second, however. So let's get into their two first-round picks. Round one, 22 overall, linebacker Quay Walker out of University of Georgia. They actually doubled down on Bulldogs in the first round, going back-to-back Georgia defenders. Quay Walker is a guy who had a lot of speed. Um, He didn't get talked about as much this past uh, collegiate football season as a guy like N'Kobe Dean. But according to a lot of uh, NFL executives and guys that do the whole scouting um, pre-draft process for a living, potentially a better pro prospect, and we saw that as a reflection of their draft capital, Quay Walker going 22 overall and the Kobe Dean going 83 overall and slipping to that third round of the Eagles, like I mentioned on our Eagles preview. Quay Walker, they add more speed and more depth and more uh, real, real strong talent to that linebacking core. Um, it's interesting, that linebacking core pretty stacked with uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on the outside. Rashawn Gary, a guy that's really come into his own over the last uh, two seasons. 
as a former first-round pick, I think, as well out of Michigan. Maybe he slipped to the second, but good player. Anyways, uh, the two inside guys there, Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, that's a very solid inside duo as well. Devondre Campbell had the best year of his career last year, and he's another guy along with Rizul Douglas. I have my concerns because, you know, been in the league X amount of years and really has only given us one season that's looked like that, and that's always concerning. To make it about the Eagles again, because I know you guys love when I do that, 2017 when we won the Super Bowl, a lot of that was based on just one-year contributions from journeymen that just kind of really specifically kind of all the pieces gelled and they fit for that niche. Patrick Robinson is a guy who I think was PFF's highest-graded slot corner that year, but he had played eight seasons in the NFL before and had never done that and then got signed to a big extension with the Saints or a big deal and then never reproduced. Like, sometimes these guys just have these fluky one-year, like, I'm going to be a pro bowler and then I'm never going to do it again. I have those fears for Devondre Campbell. I think that shows... Maybe part of the reason why Quay Walker was the first uh, draft pick here for the Packers. And then the next guy, Devontae Wyatt. I had the Chiefs looking at this guy. I thought it would make sense for their internal pass rush, pair him with Chris Jones, be able to take after Chris Jones once he's out of the building. The Chiefs ended up going defensive end in the first, and the Packers took the defensive tackle. It's interesting. This guy looks like he's actually going to play more of the three, because the Packers run a 3-4 defense. That uh, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, those guys, often one of them's coming down off the edge. But as far as defensive line, they're looking for those bigger, more sturdy ends. They're not looking for the finesse speed rusher guys. They're looking to eat blocks. They have Kenny Clark <clears throat> as their nose tackle, who's one of the better uh, big bodies in there on that D-line to eat up blocks in the middle. And then right now it's looking like Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed are the two starting ends. Devontae Wyatt uh, right behind Jaron Reed on that depth chart. But I don't think it would take long for Devontae Wyatt to start seeing a majority of those snaps on the D-line. And I think when you put in such a, a really, um, really talented um, internal pass rusher like that onto a defense that already has a lot of talent at the linebacking core. Um, <clears throat> again, I was a, I was a surprised they didn't go receiver in the first round because this this uh, draft class was talked up a lot as far as five, you know five or six potential first round receivers. Um, the top five went pretty early. There was a run, and then some of these wide receiver needy teams like the Packers and Chiefs, who, be, again, two first-round picks, both, you know, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill gone this offseason. You would think simple math, they draft a receiver, but they both wait until the second round. <clears throat> Speaking of which, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I try and avoid that. Sorry if it's obnoxious on audio. Round two, they traded up to the second overall pick in the second round to draft wide receiver Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. This is a guy that a lot of people were intrigued in the draft process. High athletic profile, not much college um, experience, really. A lot of these guys that come out of North Dakota State, you know, super talented, but it's always like, oh, small school, lack of production, lack of competition. It's a thing. He looks pretty good on, ta uh, on tape. He tested well at the Combine. Um, 
it's again interesting that they didn't invest higher in like a safer wide receiver prospect i'm not sure this guy is coming from a smaller school getting ready to you know contribute right away we've also seen rogers have issues with like developing chemistry with rookie receivers before he usually leans more towards the guys that he has an established connection with lastly about christian watson here um, looks like after rookie OTAs back in June, he actually underwent a uh, minor knee procedure, uh, procedure, surgery, or a combination of the two. Um, so he's actually on the PUP right now for the start of training camp. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but he is not practicing currently at the start of camp. To round out the draft recap, round three offensive guard Sean Ryan out of UCLA. I mentioned they lost a few offensive guards in free agency. And round four, they took another wide receiver, Romeo Dubes, out of Nevada. So Devontae Adams gone and a lot of names there um, competing for targets in that receiver room. It's going to be interesting. That's kind of a murky situation that we're going to have to see how it plays out this season. Um, strength of schedule for the Green Bay Packers. Middle of the pack, 15th overall. I went through it. You know, their division gives them some easy wins. The Bears are going to suck. Spoiler alert for episode three of this series. I think the Lions can be scrappy, but they're not in the Packers league yet. The Vikings games are a toss-up to me. This, as we break into the schedule, you know, week one, they actually are at Minnesota. I've got that as a loss on Green Bay. I want to, I, I was taking a look at some of the week one lines today, actually, because I think it benefits us as we go through these team previews to understand who they're playing that week one and, and what the, uh, the narratives are going to be coming out of this summer going into that first week. A lot of people tell you to stay away from week one from a gambling perspective. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I actually fucking love betting week one because as you guys can tell, I do my homework over the summer quite a bit. And I feel like I have an edge week one over the rest of these Joe Schmoes who aren't you know, breaking down full Excel sheets and writing, you know, 32 notebook pages throughout the month of July, like I am. Um, so if you guys are listening to these episodes and you're trying to gain an edge over the summer too, don't be afraid to go ahead and throw down week one. I like the Vikings to pull off the upset in that 425 spot in week one here against the Packers. The Packers generally start a little slow. They got waxed week one last year against the New Orleans Saints. And we've seen Rodgers have to come out before and kind of give that relax speech. And I could see it here as well. I actually think the Packers start out no better than two and two. First four, Vikings, Bears, Buccaneers, Patriots. I've got the Bears and the Patriots as the wins. I've got the Vikings and the Bucks as losses. And this is where we start to hear the heat. Is this offense the same without Devontae Adams? Is Aaron Rodgers frustrated? Yada, yada, yada. Can this defense keep up to the level that they've played at last year? Is the turnover margin going to regress? And then we go on a run. Giants, Jets, Commanders, that's three wins in a row. Bills, they lose to the Bills. Then we got the Lions, Cowboys, Titans, Eagles, Bears, Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, Lions to round it out. So, you know, again, Lions, Bears, Giants, um, Commanders, Jets, 
There's some easy wins here. The Packers will be better than the Dolphins, the Titans. I don't think they're better than the Rams or the Bucks this year or the Bills. The Cowboys is kind of a toss-up. The Eagles is kind of a toss-up. I give the Packers the edge in both of those, but not by a whole lot, and anything can happen. What I'm saying is... I think this is a team that gets off to a 2-2 two and two start and then has some losable games down the stretch. They are uh, Their win total is 10.5, and, and when I look through it, I put them at 11 wins based on kind of you know some of the shit that I just laid out there and just me kind of spitballing and saying, well, what if this game goes this way, but what if this game goes that way? I came up with a, you know, if I had to guess, they finish at 11. 11 and 6, this team feels like, because they went 13 and 4 last year. They still have Rodgers. They still have a great running game, a great offensive head coach, and a very talented defense on paper. I think that just, you know, Devontae Adams is worth at least a win, maybe two. And um, yeah, I, I got them around 11 or 12. They're at. Uh, they're at 10 and a half right now. Over is minus 160. Under is plus 135. I slammed over 10 minus 170 last year, and that was a, that was a no-brainer. This one I'm less confident in. I still like over 10 and a half. I think they could get the 12 wins. They're not going for 13 this year, but it's not one of my favorite bets like it was last offseason. Big part of that is Adams. I don't want to overreact, but he is a pretty impact player. As far as the odds to win the division... They're minus 170, and I do not like that. I don't. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I told you guys I'm excited to talk about the Vikings, and I'm not trying to be overly bold here in the last week of July and tell you guys that the Vikings are going to win this division. But I like the offseason the Vikings had. I like their new coaching hire, and I mentioned some of the potential regression slash vulnerabilities of this Packers team with some of the changeover and some of the retooling here, some of the vagueness of the offensive weapons and some of the injury concerns they're having at this point in the season. I mean, Christian Watson, I mentioned, is on the PUP here in late July. Uh, Robert Tanyan has been rehabbing from an ACL injury that I mentioned uh, Pro Bowl and All-Pro left tackle David Bakhtiari missed the entire season for Green Bay last year, only playing 27 snaps. Was not able to rally for that playoff game like a lot of people had thought that he was going to be able to be available for. And he has not played football since an ACL tear over 500 days ago. He recently underwent his third knee procedure um, on that ACL. And there's no timetable for his return. I guess Green Bay media is spinning it where they're actually optimistic. They think this procedure is going to get him back faster. But this guy's been rehabbing the same knee for almost two years. And uh, it's concerning. It's very concerning because that was big for Green Bay, I think, keeping that O-line healthy, especially when you got to play defenses like the Bucks and the Rams throughout the season and throughout the playoffs. I mean, having an, a, a healthy offensive line when you're playing against Aaron Donald, I, I would say matters. So it's concerning. They're not the healthiest team right now. I'm not going to tell you that they're not going to win the division or they're not going to make the playoffs, but I really see this, this Packers and this Vikings team kind of battling for the division, even if the Vikings can't pull it out. I think the I, I like the Vikings to go over their win total. Again, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but we're talking about the whole division here a little bit. And uh, 
Their win total, it hovers between eight and a half and nine and a half, and I like it to go over. And this Packers team at only ten and a half, I mean, we're talking about a difference of a game maybe in the final divisional results here. And if it's going to be that much of a sweat, I don't really love the minus 170 at a value when I think you can get easier division winners at less of a cost. Hint, hint, the Indianapolis Colts minus 115 AFC South. Book it now. We'll get into that down the line, but I like giving out picks here. And uh, you guys don't have to wait all summer for the good stuff. Um, conference price is plus 500, and I don't see the value in that considering it was a higher price last year with a more talented roster. The Rams only got better this offseason. The Bucks only got better this offseason. Talked about the Eagles. They only got better this offseason. Don't mean to keep beating a dead horse, but I really think they're the best team in that division. The 49ers could be dangerous this year, depending on what Trey Lance and that offense looks like. There's a lot of competition in this NFC. I think the Vikings and the Saints are both good this year as well. There's uh, Plus 500 is virtually like no leeway, no error margin. I'm not into it at that low of a return for a team that I think... I mean, they haven't been able to break through the last three seasons, and now they lose their best offensive weapon. I don't know. The running game is going to be good. But Super Bowl plus 1,200, again, I mean, I just think that I'd rather grab a team with higher odds with maybe an easier path. That's just my take on it. Playoffs, yes, minus 410, no, plus 350. I mean, this is a playoff team as long as Rodgers is healthy. I just said they maybe struggle to win the division. I don't know if struggle is the right word, but maybe they have to fight for it. But, I mean, sneaking into the top seven in the NFC when Rodgers is your QB and you have arguably a top five defense if all things go right, they should make the playoffs. I'm not going to get cute here. Why would we get cute? That's not what we do. So that's the Packers. Overall good organization. I think they come into this season with more question marks than last year. I think that's fair. I don't think I'm being overly critical here. I just want to point out that this team is not as stacked and the situation is not as perfect for them as it has been, I'd say, the last two years. That's all I'm saying. Um, let's get into fantasy football. Because this is an offense that's produced a lot of fantasy-relevant players during Rodgers' time and even going back to Brett Favre's time. And there's a lot of shit. I mean, you kind of have to take your shot in this receiving room. Bit of a dart throw. I know the guy I like, um, so, so let's talk about it. Fantasy players will be breaking down Rodgers, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, and Robert Tunyon. Honorable mentions, backup quarterback Jordan Love. God, whew. I'm not going to get into it, but that guy's career is off to an interesting start. Uh, wide receiver Amari Rogers was drafted in the third round last year, I think. Didn't do shit, and then they went and drafted two more guys this year. Weird. It's It kind of reminds me of the Giants that just like continue to spend draft capital at the receiver and then give up on the guy after a year. Maybe Amari Rodgers, you know, has a breakout. But we've talked about how uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't really trust these young, unestablished rookies. It takes a long time for him to gel and, and, and gather chemistry. I mean, Devontae Adams didn't even break out until, like, year four of his career. He, I think he went three or four years without a 1,000-yard season. And Rodgers does, share, you know, share the sugar. Um, 
he's not afraid to spread it around. He's been able to sustain two or three fantasy-relevant receivers at once, uh, multiple times throughout his career. So I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, uh, last honorable mention I, I, I talked about in the draft, wide receiver uh, Romeo Dubes out of Nevada was a fourth-round pick this past year. So any of these receivers here, I mean, there's a chance that wide, that Amari Rodgers and Romeo Dubes are, I mean, anybody could be the wide receiver one on this team, although I think it's going to be Alan Lazard. Um, and then the, just the target share itself is so up for grabs here because of all the vacated Devontae Adams targets. So it's it's really... It's up for grabs. Um, let's talk about Rodgers. Rodgers, from a fantasy perspective, uh, had a good season last year, although I don't think that's really how it's perceived. Um, his draft cost has taken a pretty severe dip, dip this year after losing Adams. I think it makes sense. His touchdown numbers might go down, and he already wasn't like a guy that was throwing 50 a year, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's look at Rogers' stats last year, because I might be talking out of my ass. He might have had like forty-five touchdowns. He won the MVP. So, see, thirty-seven. See, that's my point. It's like thirty. Look, forty-one hundred yards and thirty-seven touchdowns is good, but for fantasy, it's not elite. Anyways, let's let's get back to the numbers. He's being drafted 94th overall this year, so like 10th round you can get Rodgers, quarterback 11. He'll probably finish top 10 or top 12 or wherever that puts him, but I don't know. There's some other guys you can kind of get in that range with more rushing upside I might be more interested in. Uh, this offense, I think, could see a slower pace this year and more of a leaning on the run game, obviously without you know much clarity at that uh, perimeter receiving position. Um, being drafted last year, 46 overall, so he fell almost 50 draft spots. QB5 off the board last year, 11 this year. QB5 off the board last year, finished QB6, played 16 games, 8th in points per game. He's got a difficult fantasy schedule this year, 25th fantasy schedule for quarterbacks. Consistency rankings across the board, pretty much top six. Uh, top six QB finish, uh, sixth most consistent at 37.5%. Top 12, 62.5%, sixth most consistent. Uh, busted outside of the top 24, only 6.3% of the time. That's one game. So the guy's super consistent. Uh, finished a QB 2, 31% of the time, but... Top six in consistency, uh, pretty good, pretty good. Um, again, we're going to see some regression this year, I think. Um, you know, only throwing 4,100 yards is concerning, and then he loses his top receiver. I, I don't know if I love the outlook this year from a statistical perspective, and that's all that really matters in fantasy. Can't say he's my favorite guy to target, but I guess you could do a lot of worse at that draft cost. So let's move on to the running backs. Um, this is an interesting conversation here. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both very fantasy-relevant running backs. This is an offense that has been able to sustain two top 24 running backs over the last two years, I believe. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Matt LaFleur uh, taking that Shanahan style over. and Aaron Jones has been nothing but exceptional in this offense. Uh, being drafted 24th overall in ADP, 13th overall at the running back position. We're getting a little discount on him because I think the fantasy community is really heating up on A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones last year, 7th overall ADP, 7th at the running back position. We see this year there's some more receivers creeping into that first round, but last year was a real run at running backs, real running back heavy in that first round. 
Anyways, being uh, excuse me, last year he finished the running back 11 in fantasy after only playing 15 games, uh, 13th in points per game. Um, let's talk consistency. Aaron Jones, top 12 running back, 33% of the time. That was 19th best. Uh, RB2, 33% of the time. That was 11th best. So he finished a top 24 fantasy running back on the week, 66.7% of the time. That's two-thirds of his games. That was 14th best in the NFL. So he's very safe running back, very safe. Only busted outside of the top 36, 20% of the time. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, 26%, excuse me, 20% of the time outside of the top 36, and 13% of the time he was an RB3 for your fantasy team. All right. So I like Aaron Jones. I think he's very safe. You're actually getting a pretty solid discount on his draft price this year, going from RB7 to RB13 in draft cost. I think it makes sense. I'm okay with taking him if he's like an early third round pick for you as far as what it's looking like, maybe even late second. Depending on how your draft goes, if you're trying to go running back, running back, you could do a lot worse as your second running back in fantasy. Um I think his touchdown opportunity will be limited this year, and I think A.J. Dillon does begin to chip into that work share. I'm actually a big fan of A.J. Dillon, as we'll talk about in a second for fantasy, but he's clearly the more physical runner, the goal line runner. I think especially for Green Bay, the formula for the, the running back committee here is more Aaron Jones early in the season, more A.J. Dillon later in the season. So it could be a situation where, you know, de depending on your fantasy lineup, let's say that you have like De DeAndre Hopkins um, and you know that you're not going to be getting him until week six. Maybe Aaron Jones is a good running back to take because you know he's going to get off to a hot start and then maybe start to lose touches as we get into that cold weather, that December Lambo weather where Green Bay just wants to pound the fuck out of the rock because nobody can tackle A.J. Dillon when it's 10 degrees outside. You just can't do it. Outside of Derrick Henry, maybe the most physical runner in the league. I don't want to, you know, leave any guys out of that conversation, but guy's a bit of a tank. So lastly about Aaron Jones, I'm hearing a big narrative in the fantasy community about how with Devontae Adams being gone, he's guaranteed to see this massive influx in receiving targets. I'm not really buying that narrative. Could he see his receiving shares go up? Absolutely. I don't think it's a guarantee that all these vacated targets from the receiver position automatically get you know pushed over to the running back. I don't see how that's just an automatic conclusion that people are making. I think Rodgers has to use his downfield weapons, and if he doesn't, this offense is going to be super conservative and they're not going to be able to stretch the field or, or you know it's going to be a lot easier to defend keep guys in the box uh it could get ugly um you know it, he could see more receptions but i just don't think it's a guarantee that all of a sudden he's seeing a 25 percent target share in this offense i just don't see that now let's talk about aj dillon i mentioned i think this guy has absolutely phenomenal upside for his draft cost this year he's being drafted 71st overall 29th running back off the board he finished rb 23 last year and he's going later in well he's not going later in drafts where he was but he's going later in drafts than when he, where he finished last year he's being drafted 89th overall and 35th at the running back position last year and exceeded that by finishing 23rd at the position and his, his draft cost has only gone up, what, one round since finishing as a 
top 24 running back last year and not even getting, I mean, Aaron Jones outsnapped the guy by a good ass margin. He still finished top 24. He's on a good offense and he's going to see a shit ton of goal line carries. So he's got massive touchdown upside. One of my favorite things to do last year, um, cause I bet a lot of like player prop parlays throughout the season. You guys will see me do some weird shit where I'll take like a team to win and I'll take like, you know, fucking, I don't know, DK Metcalf to have four receptions and uh, A.J. Dillon to have a touchdown or something. And because A.J. Dillon's not a starting running back, quote-unquote, and because Aaron Jones is like a big household name for fantasy, you can get a guy like A.J. Dillon, who's technically a backup, to get a touchdown at like fucking plus 200, plus 250 sometimes on a Sunday and just really jack up your parlay odds. He's a fun guy to bet on for player props. He's a fun guy. You can kind of predict, you know, if Green Bay has to be more physical tonight, Dylan's getting the ball more. It's kind of one of those situations where if you really just, you know, think about the situation, you can kind of predict where this running back committee is going to go on a get on a, you know, Sunday in Sunday out basis. AJ Dylan's one of my favorite running backs to draft in mid uh, mid to late rounds in your fantasy draft. First off, the Green Bay Packers have the 13th easiest schedule for fantasy uh, running backs. Um, and then on top of that, um, we'll look at his consistency again in a work share last year, top 12 running back, 11.8% of the time, 43rd best, not great, but he was a RB two running back 13 through 24 on the week, 29.4% of the time while Aaron Jones was still finishing top 24, 66% of the time. So AJ Dillon, top 24, 41.2% of the time. That's crazy. That means, you know, the Green Bay Packers more often than not putting up two top 24 running backs throughout the week. Um, He was a top 24 running back, 34th most consistently. He did have a higher bust rate than Aaron Jones, obviously. He doesn't get as much passing reception work, but he can catch passes. That's another reason why I'm not sure all the passing work just goes to Jones. Is because like Dylan can pass catch or catch passes too. Did I say pass catches the first time? Also, I don't know. Dylan, although it's not a strength of his, and it wasn't really asked of him to do in college, he he's a capable pass catcher. So it's not necessarily like they have to take him off the field. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I think in terms of draft cost, Dylan is just such a. You're getting him fucking five, six, seven rounds later in your drafts, and I think he's got potential to have more touchdowns on the year. And possibly, you know, I thought I didn't think it made sense for Green Bay to extend Aaron Jones, honestly, because A.J. Dillon's a starting running back in the NFL. And I almost want to start a campaign like free A.J. over here because Aaron Jones, I thought, um, going back to last offseason before he extended here, I thought he would have made all the sense in the world for the Miami Dolphins, who had a shit ton of money to spend and didn't have a running back and still chose to go into their season with Miles Gaskin. But I would love to have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on two separate football teams so we can use both these guys for fantasy. We still can, but it just limits their upside. They're going to be digging into each other's touches. So let's try and do these receivers quickly, okay? Because I know I talked about four guys here in the mix. I just don't really care about Sammy Watkins or Randall Cobb. I'm not even going to sit here and make the stupid, like, Sammy Watkins week one fantasy jokes, because really it happened once in Kansas City, and people think it happens every year. 
Randall Cobb, you know, not a factor in his career. Neither of these guys are being drafted in conventional leagues, you know, going 188 and 247, wide receiver 77 and 96. I like the younger guys to have a chance to have an impact here. Um, the only Randall Cobb, I think is a little more interesting because he could be that kind of comfort zone, like third down chain moving slot receiver for Rogers, at least early in the season that could happen. Sammy, I think just doesn't matter. Um, and then I mentioned Christian Watson, the rookie uh, currently dealing with surgery rehab, missing reps in training camp. Rodgers doesn't have a tendency to gel with rookies right away anyways. He came from a small school. I don't see him getting off to a fast start in his career either. It's not to say that he can't contribute this year, but I think at most he's the second receiver on this team. And I really think that the fantasy community is overlooking Alan Lazard. Uh, Christian Watson's being drafted a full round ahead of Alan Lazard as the overall 106 and wide receiver 45. While Lazard's going 114, wide receiver 49, Alan Lazard's a guy I've had my eye on throughout his entire career because, again, my barometer, did I want the Eagles to sign this guy? Did I want them to draft this guy? I did. He was an undrafted free agent in 2018, so they get him out of the same draft that Jair Alexander came from. And, again, that draft was a big corner wide receiver draft for me as an Eagles fan, so... It was a position group I paid a lot of attention to. I heard a lot of good things about Lazard. He ended up going undrafted, which blows my mind. I would have spent a fourth-round pick on Alan Lazard, guys. This is not hindsight. I was saying it four years ago. I would have taken Alan Lazard in the fourth round. He's now the wide receiver one for the Green Bay Packers four years later. He actually went undrafted. The Jaguars claimed him and cut him, and then the Packers picked him up. Man, there's some horrible franchises in the NFL, and I can't believe all 32 teams passed on this guy seven times. He's big, he's physical, he's got the trust of Aaron Rodgers. He's six foot five. Um, he has been mainly a role player in this team because, again, there's just been better receivers here. But he's coming into his fifth year. He's been playing more and more, getting more and more snaps, getting more and more timing down with Rodgers. He's basically his only returning target in this offense outside of Randall Cobb. I see Lazard being a guy that you can get in the 11th or 12th round of your fantasy drafts who can be a consistent top 24 wide receiver with extremely high touchdown upside for you. Love Lazard targeting him everywhere. Being drafted 114, last year being drafted 219, finished the wide receiver 47 last year in 14 games, 57 in points per game. I just don't care because the role was different and it's going to be different. Like, we can talk consistency, but it finished top 12, 13.3%, 41st best. Finished wide receiver 2, 20th, 20%, 23rd best. So he's actually a wide receiver 2 at a top 23 rate in the NFL. Uh, finished top 24, 33.3% of the time, which was 36th best. So he was wide receiver uh, in the top 24. Um, yeah, 36 most consistently. That's a wide receiver three in fantasy. So, I, I mean, yeah, high bust rate. Again, limited role. I think his role expands. He gets more targets this year, and he's got a lot of potential for a guy that's not going to cost you anything more than a 10th round pick. 
at the earliest. Go ahead and draft Ellen Lazard in your fantasy drafts. I really think he represents extreme upside as Aaron Rodgers' favorite target and could have double-digit touchdowns this year, like, without hesitation. All right, Robert Tunyon, I'm not touching him in fantasy. I've got a little rant prepared for you guys, but let's get through the numbers first and just get them out of the way. Being drafted 166 overall, tight end 22 this year. After finishing, um, having a really good year, uh, not this past season, but two years ago. I can't understand. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. Um, Got lost for a second. Last year, he was being drafted in the eighth round of your fantasy drafts as the tight end eight, and he totally busted after only playing eight games, finishing tight end 49 overall. Um, but the thing is, you might say, oh, he was having a good year. He just got injured. He was the tight end 30 in points per game on the season, so he really wasn't having a good year. He had a breakout season in 2020 on the back of, I think, eight or ten touchdowns. But if you looked at, like, 55 receptions and like 650 yards he wasn't doing anything except catching one yard touchdowns from Rodgers kind of similar to what Dawson Knox was doing in Buffalo don't tell anybody I said that um Tunyon if he doesn't get the touchdowns he's fucked he's not going to give you anything for fantasy don't draft him they have the absolute most difficult schedule for fantasy tight ends this year just don't do it um finish the top six tight end in 25% of his games, which was two out of eight, finished top 12 at the same percentage. Um, so no games between seven through 12. He was a top 12 receiver, 12.5% of his game. I mean, just who cares? He busted 62.5% of the time. Um, Robert Tunyon, no go for fantasy. Don't get caught up. Aaron Rodgers has never been able to sustain an effective fantasy receiver consistently in his entire career there seems to be this weird misconception i find myself having this argument with someone either in person one of my buddies while we're having beers at a bar or whether it's with some idiot on twitter that wants to call me dumb um anyways my rant here is again rogers has never provided any fantasy value to tight ends he has produced i think two top 10 fantasy seasons for tight ends going all the way back to 2008. Listen to these names where it seems like every summer around this time, somebody wants to bring these guys up every offseason as well. He's Rogers starting tight end. There's opportunity there. There's not. Listen to these names. Robert Tunyon, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Martellus Bennett, Jared Cook, Andrew Corliss, Richard Rogers, Jermichael Finley, and Donald Lee are all the starting tight ends that Aaron Rodgers has played with since 2008. Um, we got one season from Tunyon. We got one season from Finley. We got one catch that people remember from Jared Cook and think that he had a good season. He didn't. Martellus Bennett, his good years were in Chicago and New England. He did jack shit with the Packers. Jimmy Graham obviously failed as well. It just stopped buying into Packers tight ends. They never work out. Ever. End of rant. End of episode. Thanks for listening, guys. This is a fun division for me. I actually Part of the reason that I jumped into the NFC North is because I'm still trying to buy some time to organize my thoughts on the Western divisions because they're so stacked and there's just so much to dive into there. The North is a division that I feel pretty comfortable with. I feel like I know it pretty well. 
I feel like these teams are kind of easy to gauge this year. I feel confident that the Packers will be good, but not as dominant. I feel confident the Vikings will take a step forward with the new coaching staff. I like the Lions in their second year with Dan Campbell, and I think the Bears are dog shit this year, just so you guys know. Um, So we'll get into that over the next three episodes. Vikings is a big episode tomorrow, so I hope you guys like this one and i hope you guys like the next couple here as we continue to move let's wrap it up thanks again peace out ramble on